welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2010 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 6th of June 2010, and the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 20, verses 33 to 35. Here's Brother Richard Rolls. We had a young man, 23 years old, and uh, he came to our church. Never will forget the first Sunday that he showed up. He was over on my right. His wife and mother-in-law had come the Sunday before, gave testimony that they'd gotten saved from listening to a radio program. But this young man was not saved. He listened to the preaching of the Word and was so under conviction. He just sat there and just sobbed and sobbed. But he wouldn't get saved. Came back the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And every Sunday that he came, he would just sit and just sob, and what yet wouldn't get saved. He stopped coming to the church. I'd gone visited with him on different occasions, and when I'd visit with him, he's very unkind, very unkind to me. He said, I'm a crybaby in public, but he said, I'll take you on one-on-one. And I called his name, and I said, uh, it's not about that. I said, listen, the Lord's dealing with you, and you need to trust him and let him save your soul. Well, he quit coming. But we had a special day and asked everyone to bring a friend and uh, take volunteer and take a pew and pack it. And I did that because the Lord impressed me that uh, his mother-in-law and wife could get him to come again like that. And he did. He came, preached again. He sat on the very back seat. He agreed that he would come if his wife and mother-in-law would uh, get that pew. They actually swapped for someone else to have it. And when the invitation was given... He, he didn't just sob. He was literally convulsing, just, just boohooing. Just, I mean, you could just hear him all over the church. And I did something I don't normally do. I went back and put my arm around him, and I called his name, and I said, Edward, please, I beg you, please come and get saved. I said, it's dangerous to put the Lord off like this. He may never call on you again. Please come. I beg you, please accept the Lord. And with what control he had, just sobbing convulsively, with what control he had, he was shaking his head no. Shaking his head no. And I stood and talked with him, with my arm around his shoulder, until it seemed the Holy Spirit said, no more, no more. And I had nothing else that I felt that I could even say to him. I turned and walked back to the front of the building, and it was a shorter distance from here to, than from here to the, uh, maybe to that, that's distance from here to that brick column. And by the time I got to the front of the building, he was standing on his feet. All sign of conviction was gone. He wasn't crying, weeping, nothing. And I said, folk, bow your heads and pray. If you've ever prayed before in your life, I said, please pray. I believe God is giving someone their very last call to be saved. He had bowed his head when I asked everyone else to, but when I said that, he looked up at me, and I begged him, and I said, please come, please come. You know what that young man did? Pulled up one corner of his mouth, waved me off. Ten days later, he was killed. Put on collision, an automobile accident. And I thought when I looked down at his cold, lifeless body, surely, surely I could have done something else to reach him. 
far as I know, that young man's in hell right now and will be for all of eternity. In this matter of missions, folk, listen, we have an opportunity because there's still time to reach many more people like him that are waiting for somebody to just come and bring the message. So I want you to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do in faith, promise, giving. And I want to talk to you this evening. If you'd turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I want us to read verses 33 through 35. I have referred to this passage of Scripture before, but I've never preached a message on it here in this church, according to my records. And I want to preach on the blessedness of giving tonight. And I would encourage you to take notes on the message. I have some uh, six or seven things that I want to share with you. This is not by any means a, an exhaustive list, but I challenge you to write these things down and the Scripture references that I'm going to give each one of them, and then ask the Lord, prayerfully ask the Lord to speak to your heart and to help you on these truths that I want to share with you. And uh, I beg you to do that. Amen. Let's stand, please. Acts chapter 20, verses 33 through 35. And Brother Ken, so good to have you and your folk with us tonight. God bless you. We love you in the Lord. Thank God for you. Paul the Apostle meeting with the Ephesian pastors on the Isle of Miletus. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he will be bound and ultimately end up in Rome. And uh, some few years later, he will seal his testimony with his own blood as a Christian martyr. But here, Paul says to these men, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know, he's saying, in effect, your witnesses to this, you know this, that these hands, speaking of his own, have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. He was a missionary laboring with his own hands to not only meet the needs where there was insufficient support because there wasn't enough churches established at that point, and part of it in the wisdom of God too, but he was laboring with his hands to help meet not only his needs, but to meet the needs of those laboring with him. And then he said in verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring, that is following this same unselfish example, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's not a misprint in the Bible. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now I want us to think for a little while on this tonight, the blessedness of giving. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, again, we thank you, Lord, first of all, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for Brother Ken and his people that are visiting with us tonight. Thank you for them especially. We thank you for every person that is here. God, we believe they're here by divine appointment. I believe I'm here by your divine appointment. And God, even though I'm such a weak and frail vessel, I pray that you would take tonight the eternal truth that I'm going to share. And I pray that you'd make these a blessing and an edification to our lives. And I ask you, God, that you'd help us that we might, Father, be uh, liberal, cheerful, free-hearted, giving Christians. And I ask you to help us to get hold of some of these precious truths tonight. May they become anchors for our soul and, Lord, uh, landmarks and 
milestones for our lives. I just pray that you'd meet with us tonight. Captivate every imagination. Bring it all. Bring every imagination in captivity unto thee. And I pray that you'd bless this dear congregation and the people, Father, from the truths that will be shared tonight. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to get my water. Note, please, in our text, verse 35, Paul said, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring, actually, Paul, we might say, is working overtime in order to give to others. He said, in so laboring, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I've said a number of times, I've used this illustration. If someone very wealthy came in and said, uh, get in line, folk, children, adults, teenagers, all in between. I'm going to give you a valid check for 1,000 pounds. You'll be able to take it to the bank tomorrow. You can cash it. It'll work. Is there anybody who wouldn't get in line? I would get in line. Amen. And uh, yet, as great as that blessed would be, as ble- great as that blessing would be, according to the Bible, the eternal word of God that will be standing when the world's on fire, it is a greater blessing to give than it is to receive. Now, why is that? I want to say, beloved, let me, let me give you this by way of personal testimony. When I went into our first pastorate in Manchester, Tennessee, many years ago, in fact, I started pastoring when I was 23 and a half years old. It was in 1959. You can figure up from there kind of how old I am. Amen. Um, I'm not, well, I just help you. I'm 74. All right. But uh, I'm telling you, folks, we were too poor to pay attention. That's pretty poor, amen. And uh, I had two suits. One of them were patched. And uh, I, I had a good employment record, but I tried and tried. I could not get a job, and I couldn't understand. Fellas told me, he said, Preacher, listen. They said, it'll cost us some money to train you to work for us. And by the time we get you trained, your church will grow, and you'll leave us, and we will have spent that money in vain. And... Uh, I said, well, when our church grows, you're right. I'm going to go full-time with that, that ministry. But uh, we ate a lot with our church members. And they knew why we were eating with them. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know, for some reason, I could not break my wife and kids from eating. They just insisted on it. Amen. But uh, I told my wife one day, I told Nora, I said, honey, this is not God's will. I mean, I said, other preachers don't live like this. I had an old car. I spent as much time under the car at times as I, as I did driving it, trying to keep it running. And I'm a pastor, amen. Now, I remember on one occasion, I had to go out with the temperature way below degree uh, zero uh, Fahrenheit and put a, a, a generator on the thing to even drive it to a funeral that day. Well, anyway... I began to study, and the Lord showed me. Now, listen, I was already tithing, 
and my tithe was $5.50 a week. And that tells you I was making $55 a week. Amen. But uh, listen, the Lord showed me that I'm to give offerings in addition to my tithe. I said, oh, God, I got to give more. I can't make it on what I have now. But the next week, I took a chance and I gave an extra dollar with my tithe money. And the next week, and the next week, I started giving extra. And you know what God did? He started giving me extra. And I found out what we've heard time and again, you'll never outgive the Lord. Now, what, is, what, what are some of the blessings of giving? And I say again, this is not an exhaustive list. Number one, if you want to make some notes on it, you have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God for yourselves. You have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God for yourself. I found out God blessing me so definitely, especially in giving to missions, that God was giving back to me four for one. Now, I don't know why. I, if you've got a scripture can help me on that, fine. Amen. I don't know why. But it was so definite, and I'll face this with the Lord. Listen, if we had a payment coming due, I saw no way for us to pay it. Didn't fit in the financial picture. Listen, we would get a fourth of that payment, and that seemed to always be, you know, we could do that. But I would send this off to whatever missionary the Lord laid on our hearts. We didn't know to support them on a monthly basis. But I'd send this off to the missionary, and God never failed to send in that payment on time. Four for one. Now, he might not love you and bless you that, like that, but he did me. He might love me more than he loves you. You say, no, he don't. Well, I don't know, but I know that's what he did for me. You can try him, amen. Check him out and, and uh, just see. But in the book of uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, you say, how are you going to prove the faithfulness of God? Listen to what God promised in his word. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God said, you give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure. You won't get cheated in the deal. Press down. That means going to be packed in. Then shaken together. And you try this when you're home, if you will, please. Uh, sometimes you put a, you know, salt, sugar, whatever, in a container. Just level it off. And you start bumping that on the table and watch it. And it'll start settling down, settling down. And you pour some more in. And you bump it, bump it, and it'll settle down. And uh, I don't know if you have it over here, but over in the States, we have these cereal boxes. And they have printed on the side of the box, some settling may have occurred due to shipping. You have that over here? Do you? And I open that box. Man, the box is this tall and the cereal's down here. I said, where did they ship it from? <laughs> but God says, I'll give you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And then he adds running over, which suggests a continuing supply. And he tells us how it'll come. Shall men give into your bosom? Where he said, with the same measure that you meet with all. That same measure be measured to you again. Now, you know what that tells me? 
If God's going to use the same measure to give back unto us, he must be taking note of what we're giving, how we're giving, so he'll know what measure to use in giving back to us. Amen. We give with a cup, God will give back with a cup. His cup will be larger. We give with a spoon, God will give back with a spoon. His spoon will be larger. Wonder what will happen if we just get us a shovel and, and start giving. R.G. Letourneau, a mover of men and mountains. If you don't have that autobiography, it would be a blessing to get it. But uh, he started out back in the mid-1920s, and God challenged him in a faith promise mission conference to make an offering of 5000 U.S. dollars for the coming year. Brother, I'm going to tell you, men back then were working for 5 and $6 a week and glad to get it and considered themselves being well paid. $5,000, that's almost $100 a week. Man, that'd be the equivalent of somebody giving at least, you know, $1,000 a week right now. And he said, Lord, I don't have that kind of money, but if you'll help me, I'll give it. And God gave him the idea of rent leasing a tractor and a grader. He was leveling Mississippi Delta bottomland down south of Vicksburg, Mississippi. If you want to take a map, look on it. And, uh, hey, uh, God let him succeed in that. He made the $5,000 clear, gave that to missions, and the Lord said, do it again next year. And he did. And the next year, and the next year. And he got married somewhere along the line. Him and his wife, while they're giving so liberally to missions, were living in an old iron wheel, wagon, cook shack, cracks in the floor, dust blowing these tractors and machines running around there. And she said, there were times when I mopped the floor, I just moved the dirt around. Where's God? Hmm. Well, God wasn't very far off. He went back one year to get his tractor and greater and the man had uh, let somebody else have it. And uh, he, all, he, he, uh, he said, okay, he said, I've had some ideas. God gave him those ideas. And so he started building the machinery, improved ideas, and God started prospering and blessing that man. He ended up with five heavy equipment, manufacturing, industrial complexes, giving 90% of his income to the Lord and living off the 10% became a multimillionaire overheard in his private devotions not long before he died. He was in his study and the study door was ajar and he was saying on his knees, he said, Lord, you have been so good to help me with so many problems. But he said, I got another problem, Lord. Would you please give me additional wisdom to know what to do with the interest off of this 10% you've left over for me? Folk, we can't outgive God. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. All right, time would fail me to share personal testimonies. I think of a young man got saved in our early ministry. And uh, I didn't know it, but he was in debt, head over heels. But he said, Brother Walsh, what are you doing tomorrow? I got saved there that night about 11 o'clock. I said, well, I got some things to do around, down, around the town here in regards to our ministry, the pastor. He said, come by my office tomorrow. He said, I want to I make an offering. I want to put an offering in the Lord's work. And he gave me the equivalent of about $1,500 in today's money. And uh, I said, is this for me or for the church? He said, use it however you see fit. I put it in the church offering. I found out later 
that he owed the equivalent of thousands of dollars. First of all, the IRS was after him for about 5000 amen. And then he owed a gambling debt for at least another 5000 And uh, besides other things that he owed, but he started giving. You know what the biggest complaint against him was not long afterwards? People complaining, ah, oh, and God called him to preach, by the way, in the process. Ah, uh, he lives too high on the hog. He's, he's living like a rich man. Well, it was his money that God enabled him to make. And he still gives. Amen. Listen, we have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God. I see I'm going to run out of time. Amen. But look, write these scriptures down, if you will, please. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. Mark chapter, pardon me, Mark chapter 10, verse 28 through 31. And uh, then uh, in addition to Luke 6, 38, you find that when we give, God gives. It's over and over and over in the scriptures. When we give, God gives. We give, God gives. Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? God said, yet you've robbed me. And here's the nation of Israel. They're saying, God, return to us, return to us. And God said, return to me, and I'll return to you. Wherein shall we return? He said, and without just directly answering the question, he said, will a man rob God? And then he said, yet you have robbed me. This whole nation has robbed me. And then he gives the, 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 the solution. He said, listen, bring all the tithes, all of them, all of them, into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. You keep it because you want meat in your house. He said, you bring what belongs to me so there's meat in my house. Try me. Put me on trial. So if I'll not open you, the wonders of heaven, and pour you out a blessing where there'll not be room enough to receive it. What God is saying, you get right on your giving, and I'm going to be more than right on my giving. Can you say amen there? Is it right? All right. Mark 10, 28 through 31. Rich young ruler came to Jesus in the previous verses, said, Lord, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you have the commandment, so on, so on. And uh, the first five he quoted, the last, and that had to do with man, his fellow man. The second five had to do with God and uh, his relationship to him. And the Lord stopped with the first five. He said, all of these have I observed from my youth up. The Lord said, yet, one, yet lackest thou one thing. Go and sell what you have, give to the poor. Come take your cross, follow me, and you'll have treasures in heaven. And that young man wouldn't do it. He went away sorrowful. But Peter said, verse 28, he said, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus did not refute that statement. Peter, had, Peter James, and John had left a fishing business. Matthew had given up his government job sitting at the receipt of custom. Luke was a physician. And somebody said, ain't never been a doctor that worked cheap. He gave that up. Jesus didn't deny they've left it all, but he said, Verily I said, There is no man that hath left house or lands or father, mother, sister, and brother, uh, and so on, but he shall receive now, N-O-W, that is in this life, on this earth, now in this time, a hundredfold houses, land, father, mother, sister, brother, and so on. And <coughs> he said, <clears throat> With persecution and in the world come eternal life. But many that are first going to be last. I, I, I tell you, I preach this sometimes, and I can almost read people's minds. Some of them say, ah, preacher, I wouldn't have that in a sack. I ain't going to listen to that. And 
you know, and I can see them kind of running over the figures in their mind. First, down here, I know a fellow right now, I was talking to him, he and I are good friends. He's worth $4.6 million U.S. dollars. I don't know where you grew up at, but that's a rich man where I came from. Amen. But I'm telling you, he's not satisfied. He's still grubbing, grabbing, trying to get more. Hmm. <clears throat> Listen. You have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God when you give. And then, but let me go on. I got to go on. Number two, this is the way to have our needs met, your needs met. Philippians 4.19, the church at Philippi, giving to the ministry of the Apostle Paul to help support his apostolic missionary ministry. Paul said, commending them, he said, but my God, verse 19, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord knows every need we have, or he would know how to supply every need. And Paul said to that church, and he's no respect to a person, and by the way, he's addressing this promise to people who are giving to missions. He said, but my God shall supply all your need. And he's going to do it according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13. You hear the cry of the poor. You give to the poor. The Bible said you lend to the Lord. And that which you have given, he, God, he will repay again. But whoso stoppeth his ear at the cry of the poor shall cry himself but not be heard. Check those scriptures out. When we're giving to missions, listen, there is no greater poverty than people who are without Christ. There are many people that are extremely poor as far as the wealth of this world is concerned, but to be without Christ to boot, that is extreme poverty in the nth degree. But we give to the poor. We give to poor people. We give to folk that are without Christ. We give to help not only poor people, but we give to help people that may be considered rich, but without Christ. God says, I'm taking note of it, and I'm going to pay you back. And I'm going to tell you, you might find out God pays with pretty good interest. Number three, and not only do we have the opportunity to prove the faithfulness of God, and it's a way to have our needs met, but number three, we see more of the love of God. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, the Bible says that every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, God loves everybody. He loves even the wicked. He so loved the world. I'm telling you, the child molester, the homosexual, the, uh, the, the, the people that have committed the most atrocious crimes. I saw on the, on the news since I've been over here, a man went berserk. They're trying to study him and figure out, killed 12 people, just went on a shooting spree. Listen. So little value is placed on life anymore. That's one reason these people that's already got a screw loose turn and start shooting other people at random. Abortion. That's wicked. Ungodly. You shed the innocent blood. God said, I'll deal with you. Hey, God loves even those people that run the abortion clinics. 
God loves us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. But why is he saying God loveth a cheerful giver? I challenge you to study this, and I think you're going to find that God's going to express his love in a special way to you individually if you are a cheerful giver. Not just a giver. Well, I'll give, but my heart's really not in it. It's kind of been pressured into that. No, that's the wrong. We don't do that. We don't want to do that. Oh, pray. Ask the Lord to guide you and just to help you to do what He wants you to do, and you can trust Him. He's not going to mislead you. He's not going to teach you wrong. We see more of the love of God. Number four, our faith is increased. Our faith is increased. I talked to you about, I think it was what, Thursday night, Friday night, about Simon Peter, that, uh, uh, you know, he uh, was approached by the folk collecting taxes, said, doth not your master pay taxes? Peter said, yes. He goes to Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, going to take care of this problem. Go fishing. Take up the fish that first cometh up. <coughs> Pardon me. When thou shalt open his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that taken given to them for me and thee. That happened. Now, do you think just for one tiny sliver of a moment that Peter's faith was not increased when he saw that happen? Hmm. I can guarantee you his faith was increased. I can guarantee you that he told the other apostles. I can guarantee you he told his wife about it. And if he had any children, I don't think the Bible says he does, but I guarantee you, he told his family, he told his friends, it was a milestone of edification for him years on down the road because he not only saw that, he saw other things in the faithfulness of God. That was just one of them. Your faith is increased. Amen. Now, I've known people who've gotten hold of this thing of giving, and I've never... I don't think I've ever done this but a time or two, but I've known people who have great pressing needs who will start giving in view of that need being met. Now, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm not going to recommend that, but you might pray about it. Amen? Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I ought to go back and say, well, Philippians 4.19. That's what Paul was saying, you know, but I'll leave that one just to let you pray about it. Number five, in our giving, our faith promise giving. I said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, you help more people. Yes, as you give more, you can support more missionaries. And these missionaries, I'm telling you, folk, they're reaching people that one day we're going to meet in heaven. You're saved. I know I'm saved, amen. Pass from death into life. But we're going to meet these folk in heaven. And I say again, at the risk of sounding repetitious, listen, one of the reasons we're going to need glorified bodies when we get to heaven is to handle all the neck hugging. Mm. You see some of those folk right now, they'd come talking to you. And they'd be talking in a language that neither you nor I would understand. But with the arms outstretched, hey, we're going to understand each other in heaven. And I believe we're going to, we're going to help more people. And more, more people are going to get saved as a result of supporting more missionaries. But let me, give you, let me give you a little expansion on that. 
Turn, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, I'm going to close here shortly. Amen. Somebody said there's nothing worse than going on when folk want you to stop. I'd rather stop when folk want you to go on. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want us to look at verse 2. Well, let's look at verse 1 as well. Get the context. Paul's taking an offering to help the poor saints at Jerusalem. And he addresses that, verses 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. He said, I'm, I'm bragging on you. I'm commending you to the believers over in Macedonia. He said that Achaia was ready a year ago. And then he, notice what he adds. He's writing to the Corinthian church. He said, And your zeal hath provoked very many. Now, I said, you help more people. Yes, we help more people when we send more missionaries. But I'm going to tell you, listen, folks, please, please hear me, hear me. When we're giving and giving faithfully, I'm telling you, God uses our zeal manifested in our giving to challenge other people, to help them come online, to help them start giving as well. Our brothers are good testimony of exactly what I'm saying. And then God uses that to multiply your giving. And then you help many more people because what others see you doing for the glory of God. There's a little church over in the United States, and I mentioned it this morning, Northside Baptist Church, edge of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Pastor is Weldon Burnett. Talk slow. He's a dear, precious brother. Amen. And that church started giving to missions years ago. They right now are giving in the mid-30, $35,000 a year to missions. You say, well, brother, if we was a big church, we could do that. You know how big that church is? They run on a good Sunday, maybe 22 in attendance. They were up to 65. It's gone down some. But, uh, hey, I've had missionaries that I've seen hundreds of miles away, and they'd say, Brother Rawls, I understand you're from South Carolina. I said, yes, that's right. They said, do you know of a church named Northside Baptist over in the edge of Spartanburg, South Carolina? I said, Pastor Weldon Burnett. I said, yeah, I know about that church. I said, why do you ask? Boy, they, I tell you, they've got more missionaries than they've got members. They just give. It's one of the most giving churches I've ever seen in my life. And these missionaries going out and telling the story. You know what God's used that church to do? And I don't know but what maybe their size has maybe been used of the Lord to help challenge other churches that are much larger. God has used their testimony to provoke many and their zeal to provoke many. God wants to use your zeal to provoke many. Thank God, brother, for your testimony and what you're doing there. And I thank God for the testimony of this church right here and what you're doing here. And God's multiplying your giving by your zeal provoking many. But then number six, and we'll close. You lay up for yourselves eternal rewards. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20, lay, up not, lay not up for yourself treasures here upon earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your 
treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's not an exact quoting, that's, that's a coding, amen, that's close to it. But uh, if we could not lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, why in the name of common sense would the Lord tell us to do it? Is that a fair question? Why would the Lord tell us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven if we couldn't lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? I mean, like I said now last night, some of these things I preach, boy, they're deep. I'm telling you, they're real, real. You just, you know. The truth is we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Well, what do we do to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Give. Give yourself. Give of your means. In fact, God is so meticulous on this. I said again, he rewards even the giving of cups of water to a child, even in the name of a disciple only. He rewards giving to someone because they belong to Christ. Philippians 4.17, Paul said, in relation to the church at Philippi giving, he's writing a letter of commendation. Pardon me. He said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I read somewhere in the Scripture, He that winneth souls is what? Wise. And they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as what? Brightness of the firmament forever and forever. I don't don't fully understand that scripture. I know when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, his clothing and he glistened like lightning. I wonder if the Lord's not going to have soul winners shining in a very, very special way. And everybody know it just a glance. They were really used to turn men into righteousness. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. We can let for ourselves treasures in heaven by the giving of ourselves and giving of our means. And you're giving your faith promise offering. Your tithes and offerings helping sustain this ministry. God's taking note of it. If he's taking notes of even cups of water, you rest assured he's taking note of that. You're giving on your faith promise offerings. You rest assured God's taking note of that. And for all of eternity, you'll have rewards as a result of it. I think it was Jim Elliott, one of the five men back in the mid-50s that was martyred, trying to reach the Alka Indians down in Ecuador. But here's what he said. He said, a man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, you get a hold of a little money down here, and it can be eroded by inflation. We went dead one night in Mexico. The dollar, the Mexican peso, was trading 12 and a half to one American dollar. We woke up the next morning. It had gone to something like 27 to one. It was devalued less than half overnight. It went to 30 to one then finally 50 to 1, then 70 to 1, then 100 to 1. It took one American dollar to buy 100 of the Mexican dollars. Finally, it was 170 to 1. Finally, it was 1,000. Finally, the Mexican peso was worthless, and the people who had tens of thousands and even millions and millions of Mexican pesos, their money was worthless. It's happened in Germany years past. Happened in China, happened in Russia, 
It could happen here in England. God forbid. I hope it doesn't. It could very easily happen in the United States of America. Listen, when we give to the Lord, that gift is secure. I was reading this week. There's a man, pastor, went and deceived one of his parishioners. Christian man, loved the Lord. And he had indicated he'd like for him to come by. He said, I want to make a gift to the ministry. And that man gave this pastor a check for $300. This was several years ago. That $300 U.S. Dollars would have been worth considerably more right now. But as the man was turning to go out of the place of business, news arrived that this business owner had lost tens of thousands of dollars worth of goods on a ship that sank and the goods were uninsured. And the pastor was almost to the door. He said, Pastor, Pastor, wait, 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 come back, come back. He said, give me that check back. Somebody said, well, rightly so. Suffered such a loss. He said, give me that check back. He said, I want to increase it to a thousand. He said, I've lost this other. He said, I want to invest this where I can't lose it. You'll never outgive the Lord. I'll never outgive him. And what we're giving enables us to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. I trust you'll pray very sincerely. I trust you'll take these scriptures that I've given you. Look over them prayerfully. And I'm not saying that in a figure of speech. Amen. I hope every person here knows the Lord well enough to know that you can get answers to your prayers. Amen. Look over these scriptures and pray over them and say, Lord, what, is that? what are these scriptures trying to teach me? Father, I know what that preacher said, but Lord, what are you trying to show me? I want you to show me and help me to have an open heart to receive it. I don't have any fear of asking you to do that. But I know what the Lord's going to do. Amen. He's going to edify you and help you. But I encourage you to give. You'll be prospered. You'll be the benefactor. You'll profit from doing it. For Jesus' sake. Let's stand, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just before we pray, I wonder if there are those who would lift your hand and say, Brother Rawls, please pray with me. I'm still praying about the amount of my faith promise or my involvement in faith promise. Would you lift your hand, please? God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Are there others? Let me, let me say this also while, while we're on this. Pastor mentioned this morning about filling, actually filling the card out. I would encourage you to do that. You know, really, when we go to buy a house or a car, uh, they require us to fill out some paperwork and make some kind of a commitment. Amen. Definite commitment. This is not even signed. But what you're doing is you're simply saying, and you're saying to the leaders of the church, by God's grace, this is what I'm going to do. And it will help the church to determine uh, at least something of the idea of missionary projected income. So it'll help the church to know about the people that are going to be taken on or can be taken on. I encourage you to fill out the card, okay? They've done a study of the people that actually have written goals, and that's what that becomes. Those people attain that goal way more times than folk who do not write it down, just simply writing the goal. 
if God's helping us to boot, it's so valuable and important to write it down. But I do pray that you're praying about your faith promise. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord, that you'd give wisdom and guidance. And, Father, for those who, uh, Father, may not yet know exactly what uh, you want them to trust you for, I pray that you'd settle it, seal it very clearly, very plainly and definitely in their hearts. And I know you're present tonight. I sense your presence so real tonight. And I ask you, Lord, that real to seal their hearts on the figure you want them to give. And I pray you'd help them to give it faithfully. And God, I ask you that you'd help all of us. That we might, Father, be pleasing to you in all things. Again, Lord, take the service, the balance of the service. Use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.